0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Unending Rebuild. So happy to be back for another one. Uh, We appreciate you all checking in and listening, as always. Uh, Joining me today, as always, are Josh Lee and Jared Perlman. Guys, say what's
1: up. What's up, guys? Um, Super excited to be here for another episode of the Unending Rebuild. Um, Yeah, and we're right in the thick of the NFL playoffs. Uh, Some exciting games this past weekend. Um, And I know... Perlman isn't exactly happy about the result of this weekend, but I'll let him talk a little bit more about that. Um, so yeah, kick it on over to you, Perlman. Yeah, as I've
2: been saying all year, Dak Prescott is not Himothy Prescott. He uh he couldn't get it done. Uh, he 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 absolutely did not look good out there, you know, two picks. Um, really not, you know, great reads or great throws all around. Um, I would say. So, you know, it's unfortunate for the Cowboys. Uh and I don't expect them to get really any better. I expect us to lose Dan Quinn. Um, I don't see any big receiver help incoming unless maybe we can get somebody in the draft. We already tried last year and missed. And so yeah, I don't really see this team getting any better. Not not really looking forward to the next year for the Cowboys uh after losing to a quarter backless team in the playoffs. So uh that that was something. Uh but you know what? The podcast is gonna be more fun than that game. And I'm ready to, to kick it off and get started.
1: Dak Prescott is the Cowboys' wow. version of Kirk Cousins.
0: Yep, and that's fine. slightly better Some, than sometimes. Kirk. If you don't have a top five quarterback, it's okay, you know. It's no, it's okay. but you're not winning the Super Bowl. Why? Yeah. Why is it okay? Why is it okay? <laughs> what does it do? Nothing. Get you a nice. It's little okay for us season. because then
1: you guys won't win the Super Bowl. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, today's topic of conversation is going to be looking past the playoffs, and we're going to be looking into the offseason. You can consider this episode a bit of an offseason primer. Uh, we're going to quickly hop through the timeline of the offseason just to refresh everyone's memories of what to expect, when to do what, and then get into some overall strategy for what to do in the offseason. So uh, just some dates for everybody. Uh, the first thing in our offseason timeline, we got the Senior Bowl uh, now. The Unending Rebuild, as a podcast, has actually given media credentials to uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, we're big time. We've made it. Uh, <laughs> thanks to a little bit of conniving, we got our credentials. And uh, I don't know if we're going to go, though, because it's in Mobile, Alabama. Flights are non-direct and about $600. And I think I'd rather spend $600 to fly to Europe. Um, so uh, but maybe next but year. Don't, don't
1: worry, uh, you listeners, because... Next year, because we know that we can get these media credentials, we will be at the Senior Bowl. Um, we will plan for we'll it out in advance, um, and we'll have some player inter- interviews and some exclusive con- content for all you guys. So that'll be exciting. So Before just keep
0: listening to us for one more year, and then maybe we'll interview, interview your favorite sixth-round draft pick. Maybe, uh, but <laughs> it'll be it'll, it'll, it'll be a good time. Uh, and moving on from the Senior Bowl. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait! Real quick, Will Levis and Max Duggan are going to be at the Super Bowl or at the Senior Bowl. I mean, those are those. Wait, are big Will Levis is going to no, be there? So sixth uh, round picks, I, yes. Uh-huh. I actually wait. No, I may have. I may have lied. Maybe Levis was like still thinking about it, and he hasn't. He hasn't declared. I saw Hendon but,
1: Hooker is going to be there. I think he's mostly uh, going just to uh, talk interview. to any NFL teams because he definitely is not ready to. Uh, be playing in the senior bowl so he's probably mostly just there to show face yeah i doubt he actually plays
0: remember who made their name last year in the senior bowl christian
1: watson so and Damian he Pierce.
0: hey you know sometimes it works
1: sometimes it works they were saying uh at the senior bowl last year that uh Damian pierce was out there leveling linebackers in pass pro so oh i remember that that's what got me excited yeah. i was like you could
0: pass block too no way <laughs>
1: I was like, bee. please,
0: don't tell anyone about this, man. Um, <laughs> shout out Dan Mullen for not playing in the Florida. Um, all right, moving on past the Senior Bowl, we got our NFL Pro, Pro, Pro Days, goodness, um, those things that colleges host to showcase the NFL players and make their 40-yard dash time seem faster than they are. Those will happen from around February through April. So if you're ready to see uh, Will Levis throw the ball 60 yards and no pads and zero defense, um, you can mark that on your calendar. Uh, then we get into the real bread the and butter. The combine is also that, that time. The combine. Did I not is write also... down the combine? No, you didn't.
2: Oh, um, shit. I didn't. Write yeah, the combine down. is February 28th
0: to in. March 6th. So thank you, Jared, for uh, clarifying that for me. Uh the uh, combine. I oh, yeah. So I I'm so mm-hmm. excited. Remember last count. year when all those 40 yard dash times were like a little fast and we thought oh, yeah, they were all like, like a, uh, They were like eight, like 0.08 <laughs> seconds fast
2: or something. Like it was actually yeah, like crazy. Was 0.1 seconds fast. Wasn't there like, yeah. like
0: a couple hours where we thought Christian Watson was like ran like ran a 6-4 like ran like a four two seven or something like that? <laughs>
2: dude, yeah, I think it was like even better than that for a while. Like some of these he did a 4-3 ultimately. Yeah. yeah. So I think Fritz Olave
1: really ran like a 419.
0: <laughs> <laughs> end up being like a four three two or something like that
1: yeah <laughs> crazy. some guy
0: was just like jumping the gun <laughs> but uh yeah we got the combine don't want to forget that that's like the most fun week love that so
1: two still fast as fuck
0: that's crazy oh yeah uh, it's so fast um And then we got NFL free agency starting March 15th. So uh, a lot of running backs moving around this year. Also a good time when some trades might happen. Um, And you will see how much Jacoby Myers gets paid. Probably going to get like 20 mil out of this because he's like the only good wide receiver free
1: agent. He's the Christian Um, Kirk of this offseason.
0: He's better than Christian Kirk. Come on now. But after I mean, Christian Kirk's on my a- shit list after dropping that pass from Trevor Lawrence this last week, somebody's
2: um, mad, but um, Kirk had a great season and, and yeah, Christian Kirk was better top, than Jacoby Myers this top year.
1: 10 right? receiver yeah. this year. <laughs> uh,
0: and then uh, the NFL draft, what we're all uh, excited for is April 27th through 29th. Um, I will actually be out of the country during that, so I will be waking up and praying for lovely landing spots uh, when that happens. And then we move into mini, mini camps in May, July. We got our uh, training camp beginning August. The preseason with August fourth being that Hall of Fame game. Uh, Will Zamir White run it back uh, <laughs> like he did this year? Remember when Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame game? Uh, <laughs> and First we drive, all that he was gonna
1: like cut yeah. or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was that was a fun time. They were they were prepping him to be the RB one of the season. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> we're gonna give you the ball every chance we get,
0: including right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh yeah, yeah they showed their hand and then august 30th we get our cuts down to 53 man rosters so uh, already looking ahead into august but i think the most important part of the offseason from a dynasty perspective is uh player evaluation because when you uh, of the rookies because When you think of guys that are free agents, like we talked about Jacoby Myers, we know what Jacoby Myers can bring. We know if Jacoby Myers goes to the chiefs, the chiefs are a good offense. So that will probably be helpful for Jacoby Myers value. And if he goes to the bears, uh, we do, we love that because even though he might be the top target guy, Justin Fields is a bit unproven as a passer. So we have these different, uh, more easily predictable scenarios with free agents, but rookies are really tough to evaluate. I mean, even the NFL scouts can hardly do it. Um, So, uh, let's open up this conversation. I'm going to kick it over to Josh. Cause I know he really wanted to talk about this, about how to evaluate rookies going into your rookie drafts.
1: Yeah. So, um, I've been doing some, um, I guess more analytical, uh, evaluation of some of the players that are coming in, in 2023. Um, I'm actually going to flash a chart on the screen for both you guys. I want you guys to just take a look at it real quick. Um, Because one of the big things that I actually recently saw, and I want us to like kind of react to it live. Oh, I um, saw this today. I saw this. I was
0: hoping y'all didn't see it because I saw JSN up there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, so I I think that this might be a little bit telling in terms of um, something that might be impactful. This is actually the first time that I'm seeing something like this. Um, So basically what the chart is being shown on the screen right now. Is on the x axis, we have yards per route run, which has been proven to be a pretty good indicator for how good players are going to be in the NFL. Um, And on the y axis, we have first down over their target share. Um, So basically, like what impact is the player actually making on the field? Are they catching third down balls? Are they catching uh, yards or balls beyond the sticks where um, they're moving the chains for their team? Um, And if you look at some of the guys that are over. Basically, in the top right corner, those are our, like, elite guys. Um, And right there, we see Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, even Hollywood Brown, T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Smith, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. And right up there at the very top is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, And I know that he didn't play at all this last season because of injury, um, but that sophomore season was historic, um, and he was playing alongside Mr. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson right there. Um, And he's above them in this chart. Um, So could be telling for uh, his production in the NFL.
0: Uh, I have a quick question about this chart. When I was looking at this earlier, I was wondering why first down target percentage really matters. Um, And I'm not saying I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just genuinely curious because I was thinking personally that like, you know, when you're on a pass passing down on third down to get a first Uh down, that's when teams really buckle down and that's when your separators come out and win is that that was my perception of it as opposed to like, let's say it's like third and 20 and you get like a five yard little pass and and catch and run for like 12 yards. Is is that
1: what you're thinking about how to take this or is it more just like big play potential maybe? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's less so big play potential because like big plays can skew like receiving yards numbers. Like, you could be uh, you could catch like a 70 yard pass a game playing against mid defenders. And that's going to skew your um, um, yards per reception, you know, receiving yards per game numbers. Um, whereas like this is going to kind of normalize all of that. Um, and it's just first downs per target pretty much. Um, so I think that gives you a better idea of like, okay, teams are looking to throw the ball to these guys when they need a first down um, and i was just saying it's like a targets thing like they're commanding targets on third down exactly oh okay uh, it's like not that. even it's yeah. not even on third down but like they're getting oh, true, a first down true. on yeah. that percent of targets basically and if it's not um, third
0: down odds are it's probably like a longer to, yards to
1: go situation maybe essentially um okay. But Yeah, that's it. it how helps I mean. keep
2: the chains moving. I don't understand yeah. why there's so much concern over this. Why yeah. you would want a first down that first downs help your team the be- the more first downs a player can yeah, get. Yeah, it's the better, that that player you know helps your your team. Um, for me, I mean, I didn't need to see this. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo is the dude, and I knew that. Um, so for me, the, the one that stands out the biggest, uh, obviously, uh egg Buka from osu is there but marvin mims uh who i actually really yeah. like um marvin men's mims, mims is is pretty high up there he looks like he's maybe 48 percent or so uh first down percentage and the top 10 ends at about 50 percent um so i i actually really like that from marvin mims he looks like he's about 2.8 uh yards per route run as well which is also a really strong number um, I, I think Marvin Mims has some very good skill, uh, good route running, good hands. I, I, he's physical. I like him out of Oklahoma, so I'm going to definitely have to look at some more of that, uh, some more of his tape and see because I definitely like seeing him up there right below Garrett Wilson uh, and, and in that bunch there with Olave and Jefferson and, and the other guys. Uh, but yeah, yeah I definitely didn't need to see this for Smith and Jake, but he's, he's just that dude I already. Yeah,
1: knew. yeah. <laughs> just something pointing out. But yeah, I'm, I actually wanted to transition us into the Marvin Mims discussion. Um, so you did it perfectly for me, for me, Perlman, because on this next chart that I'm going to show you guys, um, so what I'm going to show you here is the 2023 rookie wide receiver underclassmen versus 2018 to 22, uh, classes. And it's the peak season EPA per play for all players that have at least 50 receiving yards per game, um, drafted players only in the power five or, uh, the group five, um, sorted by highest and lowest. And out of every single player, every single receiver drafted since 2018, Marvin Mims is number one in terms of EPA per play. And that's expected points added per play. So Marvin wow. Mims kind of just like jumps off of the screen, jump, jumps off of the charts in terms of how many expected points added is he creating on every single play um, where he's targeted. Um, so that's something that's very impressive to see. Uh, from a guy who ha- isn't getting much buzz um, right now. Yeah, I don't really know why Marvin Mims isn't getting that much love. He had a few,
2: you know, pretty good games this year. I I want to say, like, I I felt like I watched him play pretty well in some of the games. Maybe he fell off um, towards the end. Let me let me see his per game stats. Uh, stat. Yeah, he's, season, he's just he a, like 100... I believe he's a redshirt sophomore as well, right? I mean, he's... Yeah, he had like a
1: hundred receiving yards per game this season. Um... He had a breakout he age of 18 yeah,
0: breakout age of 18 and a half is really good too. Yeah, okay, yeah, he's so a he's a junior. He, yeah, he didn't redshirt. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, am looking at our 54
2: catches this year. I mean, that's that's pretty yeah. damn good.
0: Yeah, he's a bit small, so maybe that's why 5'9, yeah. 177 <laughs> is why he's not higher up on boards.
2: He's listed on ESPN as 5'11, 184, but um. Fucking, what's his name? Jordan Addison is tiny too. I mean, not that he's as good as Jordan
0: Addison, but <laughs> is that Jalen Rieger at the inverse there? <laughs> that is Jalen
1: Riger at the inverse. Uh, oh, literally no. the worst EPA per play, um, for all receivers in their peak season. So, dog could be telling. <laughs> Damn, my boy David Bell all the way down there, too. And, and obviously, yes. there's some all outliers liars, there's like Amon Ra, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and DK Metro so It's that's the one thing about analytics, it's like. It's not an end all be all. It's not, there's not one like silver Mm -hmm. bullet that's going to tell you the full story. Um, That's what makes evaluating rookies so difficult. Um, It changes player by player where there's prospects who are outliers on certain metrics, but um, are uh, peak on certain metrics. Like it's, it's a very, uh, it's more of an art than a science um, where you kind of have to evaluate the total prospect and not just look at the numbers. It
0: gives a red flag, too, and I think it's really important to account for draft capital as well. Um,
1: yeah, it definitely does. Yeah.
0: And, you know, when you have a guy that is, like, in the positive EPA, gets, like, a first-round draft capital, odds are they're going to be pretty good. I mean, the, the names on this list, of uh, the top EPA guys that were first-round were Waddle, London, CeeDee Lamb, Rashad Bateman, Jamar Chase, Jamison Williams, Jefferson, Ruggs, Hollywood, Garrett Wilson. Uh, oh, and AJ Brown second-round capital, but
1: Oh, um, true.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But just like the guys with the first round draft capital, pretty much all there was like, who's the worst player on there? Like Bateman, and that's just because he's gotten hurt. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, or Rugs because he killed somebody. But like, <laughs> uh, but like that—that's that's pretty indicative. So let's say like Quentin Johnson. Do you think even though he wasn't so great on the other grab, I mean, he gets first round draft capital. Does that pretty much lock him into being
1: like a wide, at least a wide receiver two, maybe? I think so. Um, it's like I said, no silver bullet, but yeah, I guess we can go back to this chart if Perlman didn't see it. Uh, Quentin Johnson is a little bit lower. Um, so on his
2: first down mark. Yeah, but he still
1: has a pretty good, uh, yards per route run. The first down mark
2: is, is an interesting comparison, um, of how they helped the team, but I don't think it's nearly as indicative of future success. Um, that as probably yards per route run. Um, but that I said, agree. I mean, he's a little bit below. But I I think Quentin Johnson's body type scares me a little bit too. He looks so skinny out there. Um, but I mean I, I do think he should be a beast. Uh he's big, he's fast, and you know, he yeah, number two on that chart, Josh showed that's it's a great number.
1: Yeah. Um, this is one of the number I want to flash you guys. Um, so um this guy, F- uh, Fusu on Twitter at Devi E-U-S-U-F. Um he, he's a big proponent for Quentin Johnston. Um, and what he's been doing all off season is kind of like evaluating Quentin Johnston versus like other players that are like built in his similar build, like Drake London, T Higgins. They're both like six, two or six, two, six, three, at least 250 pounds. And that's kind of like the Quentin Johnston build. Although Quentin Johnston does look a little bit skinnier out there, um, but these are their career numbers in college and they're pretty identical. Um, it's interesting it's, it's definitely interesting to look at just because these two guys are we're showing right now are t higgins drake london um and they've both proven to be elite nfl wide receivers um and their production is similar maybe their style isn't the same and few takeaway here is maybe style is overrated um and that doesn't matter um because we've seen quentin johnson on the field he he's an athletic freak Um, I've never seen someone like his size move and in his like short area quickness. Um, So I'm excited to see what Quinn Johnson uh, uh, does in the combine and uh, where he gets drafted because he's an intriguing prospect. Yeah. That was my takeaway from this too, is that Johnson's just Johnson's
0: just faster than these guys, you know, like, so hmm.
1: yeah, maybe the idea of
0: that style being like not similar is not really that important. Just the more so the size and, yeah, I mean Quentin Johnson has those tools of being like just that physical wide receiver that just dominates. So we'll we'll have to see what's this next graph
1: you got up. Uh I'm just kind of going through some numbers. So these so he Fusu also compared Quentin, Quentin Johnson to two other first round receivers that are in a similar build um as him. Um so we looked at AJ Green and Sammy Watkins. Um and Quentin Johnson holds up pretty well. Uh, this this red dotted line shows you the average of wide receivers um, that have had a top 24 NFL season. Um, this is receiving yards per team pass attempt on the Y-axis, years out of high school um, on the X-axis. So Quentin Johnson stays well above the average of wide receivers to have a top 24 NFL season um, in all three years. Um, of him in college. This is receiving yards market share. So basically the receiving yards, uh, Quentin Johnson's receiving yards divided by the team's total receiving yards. Also above. Yeah. Quentin
0: Johnson looks pretty good here. This is a Quentin Johnson podcast. Now (laughs) we're changing the name up. Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, it to me this all this chart shows is that, uh, you know, who knows really? I mean, Sammy Watkins is also up there. Like Sam, Sammy Watkins has to have a down year, but uh, he's just right. You know, he's right along there with Quentin above him on two of the three years. And Sammy Watkins was terrible in the NFL, and AJ Green was amazing. So, uh, it is interesting to see sometimes when you can like I I've seen I've seen this experience adjusted graph versus years of high school, like. Um, or yards per team attempt I've seen these a few times and it's interesting like when you do look at who some of these guys above the top 24 seasons are um, are above the averages some of them are most of them are studs but there are a few of these guys that just you know fizzled out in the end of their career or at the start of their career in the NFL too
1: yeah um, I think it just opens up the discussion for like evaluating prospects it's it, it's such a crapshoot honestly because like all of these metrics can say that he's going to be a stud. Um, And maybe he comes to the NFL and he just completely busts just like a Nikhil Harry or a Sammy Watkins. Um, Although Sammy Watkins did have a absurd rookie season. Um, Then he kind of fizzled out of the league after that. Um, And now he's talking shit about Lamar. So (laughs) I wonder if NFL teams have learned from the Nikhil Harry's of the world about
0: how to better evaluate wide receivers and to, you know, because, like, I mean, we think about the whole contested catch argument with guys like um, Harry or, like, uh, Arcego Whiteside and how they're, like, re- or um, Denzel Mims, someone like that, and how they're really good at contested catches. But that's, that, that's not necessarily a good thing, and that just indicates that they're not getting separation and they're just having a higher rate of contested catches. Um, so, you know, I wonder if NFL teams have gotten – like smarter with that and have been able to like find guys who win with whether it be nice route running, uh, or just even pure speed, but really just separators guys who are able to get open. Uh, and then it seems like there's a new emphasis even on speed with guys that are able to do things like after the catch, like, uh, like positioning a guy like in a Christian Watson, like by someone's just super fucking fast with the football. So I'm wondering if that's kind of an indicator as to why these first round wide receivers have been so good recently.
1: Yeah, I, think, actually just, uh, go ahead, uh,
0: I was just
2: going to say, like, I think speed is definitely a big part of it. Um, but a lot of the issues I think that a lot of evaluators probably see is uh, especially around contest, some of these contested catch guys, uh, like you named two that were terrible, but like Drake London was also a, a, a big contested catch guy in college. Um, and like, sometimes the quarterback just isn't able to throw a good enough, ball. like the guy can get separation. And then once the ball gets there, Uh, He's he's in he ends up in a position where it's a jump ball or the ball is just so widely thrown. He's got to run to the side or run backwards or something where it ends up being contested catches. And that can end up being a little bit hard when the guy only has maybe, you know, half a yard or a yard uh, of separation where it's enough that, you know, a decent quarterback could hit him. But
0: he's playing with a, you know, And, and to clarify, I don't think it's like I don't think you should just go ahead and throw out the stat. I think just in context, it's not always a good thing. So like what you said, like the quarterback could be shit and that's why you have to do contested catches. You're getting open in
1: the fall throw behind you. Uh, Josh, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was actually going to bring up the same point. I was going to say Drake London was talked about as a contested catch guy, but probably yeah. on that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think kind of the big thing is like you need the full story. Um, you can't just like handpick stats that um, shine your prospect in a in a good light and kind of anchor your entire take around that one statistic. You need to get the full story, have to have full context um, to understand if this guy is going to be a good player in the NFL or not. Um, and even then, you might make some incorrect takes. Um, but that's what makes this so fun. <laughs> yeah, I always liked uh, evaluating running backs better. I always just found it
0: more easy for me because I think there's a lot of like very like clear-cut things that like like can the guy pass protect well is he perceived as someone who can pass protect is he perceived can he catch the ball it's like it's like a lower bar for those kind of things and then um you know things like vision and stuff are like those are the harder things to evaluate but really, if you just look at the guy's side, is he known as a pass catcher? Is he known as a pass blocker? And what's the type of situation he's going to? And does he have a uh, related size? Does he have a good BMI? Those are like what I've always found to be good golden rules for running backs that are like much easier to evaluate. And then wide receivers, I'm kind of just like a draft capital snob, honestly. Um, I, I, even though I, I veered a little bit with Christian Watson last year, I think just draft capital for receivers over anything really. For me,
2: it's hard because running backs, a lot of times, all look very similar on tape. Um, Like, last year, when I was evaluating all these running backs, it was really hard. Like, I did really like Algier, but then he ended up going in the fifth round, and so I got scared. But, like, he was, like, just a big bowling ball who looked like he had, you know, decent speed and was obviously had the size to carry a load. Um, But then you have, like, Rashad White, who looks really good as well, but he's a little bit smaller, but he can pass protect as well and he can, he can catch passes. Um, and then like James Cook looked pretty similar to Rashad White, in my opinion. Um, and just, I don't know, there were some other guys. It's just hard to, for me, it was, it was harder to differentiate the like the middle tiers of running backs um, from each other. Whereas wide receivers, it felt like you could, to me, it felt like you could see a little bit more of guys getting separation. There are so many, like big play opportunities for wide receivers that you can see them catch the ball in traffic or adjust to catches down the field. Um, you know, watching a a wide receiver take off from the line is is pretty easy to repeatedly just watch a, a guys uh, get off on the line, see how he responds to pressure. Seeing people get out open in zone versus man is something that um, you like. Those are two aspects that you have to watch, but. They're so different and you can tell very quickly whether it's man or zone uh, when the play starts that you, you're able to see how they react to that. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely prefer the wide receiver evaluation, uh, in my opinion. Just I don't know. It's just so hard um, for me to differentiate those middle tier running backs uh, that I, I just kind of get lost in everything.
0: Yeah, I just look for the guys that like it sounds dumb and it's probably not going to happen. But like who could be a bell cow? That's how I landed on Damian Pierce. Like he had the higher BMI. He like like Josh said earlier about the pass blocking at the senior bowl. He was getting buzzed for that. He was getting buzzed for like he, he could like he had decent reception numbers in college. And then look at like why what are the things that are holding him down? The things to me that were holding him down weren't that like they, they weren't that substantial. But to so, me, it's like,
2: what's the difference between Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier? Tyler Algier had more rushing yards this year. They had a pretty similar fantasy seasons. So obviously Pierce got hurt at the end of the year, but like, how how do you differentiate between those two? Uh, whereas like, you know, they both were supposed to be on bad, de- bad teams this year with bad defenses, bad running games, bad offenses. And they both looked like they were able to carry a load. I mean, they're both big physical running backs that could handle all three roles. So uh, that for me is, is
0: difficult. Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, I don't really, honestly, I don't really have a good answer for that because both look solid. Um, You know, you can always fall back on the draft capital answer, but it's not even that much different. Uh, Both teams seem willing to run. I would say difference right now. Now, this could certainly change is that the Texans seem to have more of a willingness to give Pierce a higher percentage of the touches uh, than what the Falcons are for Algier. I mean, I think Algier was like take he, take he took over the starter
2: role at the end of the year, but also that, you know, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rookie evaluation, not team evaluation.
1: Oh, rookie evaluation. I gotcha. Uh, I think it's more so like, um, like take Tyler Algier and Damian Pierce, for example. Because um, I agree with you, Perlman. Like when you watch the tape, like most of these guys look pretty similar. Um, you're going to most likely be watching highlight tape. Um, So these guys are going to all have highlight plays if they're on an NFL team. Um, They should be crushing uh, guys in college. Um, But I think it's more so like, where's the opportunity because in fantasy football, volume is king. So um, like Damian Pierce, for example, he was going into a backfield where who was the lead back there? Was it, it was like Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack, yeah, those two. Um, like Wale was there. I think too. Well, like, nobody was there. There was no him. established lead running back there, um, and so which was a key component of what I was looking which was at a key though. component of Damian Pierce.
2: But I think that's breakout season. Like, like to me, that's kind of silly. Like, because what about like Rashad White or or someone like that who like. Fournette is there, but he took on a pretty big role as well. Maybe as a rookie, Rashad White isn't as good as Damian, but who's to say Damian doesn't get another running back in there? And Fournette is like too old now to to continue to be good. Like he, I mean, he looks like it. Um, Or Algier, who again, you know, has had more rushing yards than Pierce. Um, Like even though he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year, he broke a thousand yards rushing. Uh, I I think that's hard, like to just say. Like and and Damian Pierce's value didn't skyrocket because he had a great start of the year. Like he's still a later round back, so is Algiers or the other guys, whatever. Um, and so like the like, is that helpful for next year? Is is saying that the Texans had an open backfield really the strategy you want for dynasty if you're not going after like the one championship this year? Like you want longevity. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that that situation should be a big
0: part of your decision so do you no, think that I'm Damian kidding. Pierce should have been rated lower like Algier or Algier should have been higher or meet in the middle I mean I think they probably
2: should have been pretty similar and higher I guess uh, or at least Algier should have been I and mean, Damian was probably drafted near his ceiling especially in redraft leagues um but yeah I mean they both had good seasons they both should be the starter next year um I and so yeah, I mean, it's it's just hard to differentiate those two players coming out of college um, when they both, uh, like, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to really put the team situation there They're, when they are so similar and they both ended up having, you know, decent roles. They they were able to, you know, they have physical abilities to make them three down backs. Um, but, like, Damian Pierce didn't get that many pass-catching opportunities. Daria Gumbuale got in there for pass-catching. They kept using um, Burkhead in pass-catching opportunities. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you just don't know how these NFL coaches are going to actually use these guys. And so differentiating, you know, I think we, like with Clyde and Jonathan Taylor, like you don't want to just go with the best team just because there's nobody else in that chiefs um, backfield doesn't mean he's going to get the ball a hundred times, uh, you know, 300 times in a year. Um, Jonathan Taylor is obviously in the better situation, even though he's on a worse team. So, um, yeah, I think that looking at that is it's just hard with running backs. Uh, obviously those two, yeah. I mean people should have seen Jonathan Taylor was the better running back, but um you know in, in those middling tiers even with team situations it, it could be really hard to differentiate.
0: Yeah, I think moving out of the first round is when the evaluation becomes a little different because you can you can afford to take like shots and miss those shots, you know. Like with with the Edwards-Alair and Taylor thing, I think that was a big lesson learned on, you know, even though Edwards was going to the better offense, Taylor was the much better prospect. So I think, but when you have like, I mean, I'm Algier and Pierce are similar, but like when you have that whole ilk of running back, you're a bit more willing to take a a bit of a risk. And I think when you're thinking about a second round rookie draft running back, you're thinking about, is this guy going to get on the field? Cause odds are it's going to be a third day running back and you get that. And you're not really expecting anything more than like, is this guy getting on the field? Is he going to be put in a chance to be a starting running back? And I think the, the logic with Damian over Algier was that even though they were similar on a prospect level, uh, the Texans running back room was wide open. So it made sense for Pierce to start that year. Now, the Falcons did have Cordero, and Cordero's old and whatnot. But, and also, I think they had Mike Davis at the beginning of the year, too, which people were thinking about, too. So, Mike, Davis, not Mike the Davis, Ravens. I think you're thinking He's of Damian, uh, Damian Williams. Damien Williams. Thank you. Yeah. So, they had like other bodies there that people were concerned about. And with these later round running backs, with Pierce being a fourth and Algier being a fifth their success comes early in their career. It's going to come in their first or second year, and that's when Patterson or Damian Williams is still relevant. Now, when you have a guy like Rashad White, he can he has that higher draft capital where teams will invest more in him, so you can wait out the career trajectory of Leonard Fournette. Meanwhile, Damian Pierce is that sweet middle spot with a little bit higher draft capital than Algier, a negligible amount uh, about like, around. Um, and then but a wide open depth chart and my argument for him at the game of the year was like if he can't beat out rex burkhead in his rookie year then he's never going to be anything so at least you know that and he's we think he's something so that's all we can really go off of he's going to have that chance to immediately succeed but in the next couple years even moving into next year there's a really good chance that that role is reduced and and i think in likelihood it would i thought that would make sense for like a Tony Pollard to go there. Who knows what's going to end up with him now with that unfortunate injury. But I think that maybe is the difference in evaluation.
2: So basically, think- what you told me, what I hear from that is, I should take my shots on wide receivers because if a running back is going to be their best year in their first year, I might as well take the long shot on a longer career for a wide receiver uh, who won't just be producing in say their first or maybe second year and has a higher chance of of being a starter.
0: Yeah, I think it depends on your team, though, because I think I I like taking wide receivers that are like higher draft, like higher drafted, uh, more draft capital, because those running backs that are drafted late, like like Damon Pierce might only be like fantasy relevant for like three to four seasons. I will take three to four seasons of running back production, uh, especially up against the likelihood that a day three receiver would uh, or even like a round three receiver would ever be fantasy relevant. Uh, I like to stack up those running back bodies when I can for second, third, fourth round rookie picks.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with Kais in that, like taking day three running backs is much more safer bet than taking day three receivers. Um, because just the data says that that's uh, a more likely hit. Um, but I guess kind of going into your discussion problem of like taking receivers over running backs. I mean, there's definitely like a balance that you're going to need um, because Receivers naturally are going to have a longer career. Every single receiver is going to have a longer career. But I think like having elite, like league winning upside running backs is going to, is most of the time what's going to uh, help you win a league. Um, like Mangles this season, although he didn't win the championship, he got there with uh, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, um, Ramondre Stevenson being a day three running back. Um, and that, that, that got him there. Um, that got him into the finals um that carried him uh, throughout the entire season with basically only one quarterback in Justin Fields. Yeah, but
2: you're also like you're you're kind of like say like Saquon and Derrick Henry, those are one oh ones in drafts. I mean maybe not Derrick Henry all, all those years ago, but uh, like in rookie drafts, like those guys are those guys are top five picks i mean the top three picks well, top was a second
1: round running back. yeah i guess he was probably still I actually yeah i mean a, sec- that, a, yeah. a
2: second round running back is is still a top five pick normally i mean in rookie drafts uh i mean maybe derrick henry is a little bit different but like saquon was the 101 like those guys you want to take a running back early like i want bijan 101 but do i want to take my shot on a day two when if we're going to use damian pierce as just an example i don't think we should use anyone as an example like that's just going to hit versus a figurative figurative wide receiver who didn't hit, but like Amon Ross St. Brown, he was his second round rookie pick. Do I want to take my shot on him or do I want to take my shot on Damian Pierce? Obviously those aren't fair comparisons, but I think wide receivers, like if, if your rookie fourth round, fifth round running back is going to last two years and your wide receiver doesn't even start on until his second year, your value is lasting so much longer with the wide receiver in those later in that second round rookie draft than, than this running back that you took a shot on, unless it's Alvin Kamara or
0: something like that, who was a super late pick who ends up being a starter. I, I think this, to me, gets into a broader like roster construction question, because the way that my like, idea of how, that, how your roster should be constructed is actually a bit different from my current team. I've gone into the camp of like settle your quarterbacks, get those settled um, in super flex leagues, put that aside. And then get like three to four like stud receivers if you can. And then running backs, just churn them out. Just churn them and churn them and churn them. Cause realistically, what was the difference this year between like Damian Pierce and like Latavius Murray? On a like on a points per game basis, there really wasn't that much. Yeah. So
2: what's the argument to drafting Damian? Uh, the drafting well, I'm game, saying you know? to
0: drafting guys like in the second, third, fourth round, first round picks for receivers, later rookie picks for guys that you know will produce. Because I mean, second round, why not know, just trade
2: your second round pick for Latavius and. I don't know, some
0: other Cordero Patterson. Like, you could probably get both of those for a second round pick. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that is the proper process. I mean, I'm saying I've progressed and changed Mm -hmm. in my understanding.
1: I mean, it's Uh, also dangerous, like, playing this, like, generalization game because, like, we could be in, like, what was it, like, 2018 when your first round was full of Nikhil Harry, Jalen Rager next year. uh, You're drafting these first-round receivers and you're missing out on the guy's – the running backs that are falling in the draft that are going in the second, third round. Um, So it's a dangerous game to play when you're generalizing. And it's more so like evaluating the prospect, uh, looking at the prospects metrics, looking at the um, yards per team pass attempt, you're looking at the expected points added um, beyond above expectation, like those sorts of things. How good is the player actually uh, versus, Oh, the media is telling me that this player is good. I'll just go ahead and draft this player just because that's what everyone else is doing. And I don't want to look dumb and draft someone else that, uh, and all my league mates are going to make fun of me. I'm there, there's, there's that side of the coin. Um, so I wouldn't generalize in terms of saying, oh, you should draft your receivers in the first round, draft your running backs later, or you should draft your running backs early and then draft your receivers later. I think it's more so just like looking at the players on a prospect by prospect. I know it's time consuming and it takes a lot of work um, and there's a lot of resources out there that'll help you do it. We as a podcast are going to try to help you guys uh, do that as much as possible, um, and I think that we're just kind of learning along the way what is the best way to evaluate these sorts of prospects. Um, yeah, because it'll be analysis, analytics stuff, and then there's also the film stuff. So it's uh, you can you can look at it in two ways. And to clarify, I'm not saying that it should be like blanket receivers first round, you know,
0: running backs later on. I'm talking about for like those day three picks. I'd much rather have running backs uh i'd much rather take running backs and wide receivers or day three picks then for the roster construction you know let's say you're spending like like i did last year i spent the 101 on Brees hall i could i have traded that 101 for like a top receiver let's say like last year i mean who could i have reasonably traded that for um maybe like aj brown hypothetically um I think that would have been a trade that gotten done because people kind of down on the Eagles trade and with Devontae Smith there. Let's say that could have gotten done. You know, would I rather have Reese Hall or A.J. Brown because then, let's say, as my team did, I went from rebuilding to contending. I have A.J. Brown now. And then what if I just traded my 23 first for, um, and maybe something else, for one of those RB1s that was on a rebuilder. So now, all of a sudden, you know, I have both assets and that late 23 first I was able to convert into a running back who would have replicated Brees Hall's output and then let's say you keep churning that each year you do draft picks for running backs throughout the trajectory of AJ Brown's career was that a question yeah I didn't hear just 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 a scenario a dream (laughs) scenario where I have AJ Brown uh, but just the concept of, like, if you have these receivers that are more, more um, safe assets than running backs, and then each year, since you have that core of star receivers, you're going to be competitive, As lo- uh, hypothetically saying you have quarterbacks figured out. Then you can be more flexible with your draft picks to then get these cheap, older running backs or day three later guys with your third and fourth round picks. Just to find
1: I you. mean, the way, like, the way that I think about it, like, the NFL is just moving towards a more pass-heavy system. Um, there is maybe like five teams in the NFL that run the ball more than pass the ball. Um, and the most pass heavy teams pass the ball over like 65% of the time. Um, so you, you're, it's probably a safer bet to be taking some of these elite receivers rather than trying to get elite running backs. They have, um, longer, uh, career longevity. They have, um, uh, better spike weeks. Um, there, there's a lot going for receivers. And I think the NFL is kind of moving in that direction. Uh, problem is we have to start two running backs on our team every single week. Um, and so that creates a position of scarcity where the guys at the top, the really great running backs are tough to come by. Um, and that's why you ca- you do have to be evaluated in prospects like Brees Hall, for example. Yeah. You could trade Brees Hall for AJ Brown, like the one-on-one for AJ Brown. Um, you could trade away the one-on-one this year, Bijan, um, who's probably going to be a pretty good running back for a long time. Um, so, like, that that just goes to say, like, it's it, its more so on the prospect where I expect Brees Hall and Bijan Robinson to have pretty long careers, um, even though they are running backs. I, I, I still believe that there are running backs who can sustain a – a sizable workload until they're well into their thirties, like uh, uh back. I don't know about well into their thirties. Okay, like these guys are coming in at like twenty. Hey, Rex Burkhead could do it.
0: I don't know. Rex
2: I mean, Burkhead didn't Danny sustain Collins a great career. At 35, 35, at um, How old like, were Rick- they when they came in the league? Did they re- like did LT play fifteen seasons? I don't think so. I mean, like Brees Hall came in and he was twenty. He's not gonna be 30
1: far. 34 oh, okay, game. but you're still going to get 13 years of production out of Brees Hall. Um, 12, 13 years of production out of Brees Hall. And he's, well, maybe not now that with the 20 ACL, but he's he's 20 years old. So he's going to recover pretty well from that 20 ACL. Um, he's going to recover pretty quickly. Yeah, and those are, I,
2: these are, again, one-on-one.
1: Yeah, these backs. are, they hold value. Backs, those, those
2: stud running backs, they hold value. But so I feel like the later wide receivers hold value as well. Like a guy like even Jacoby Myers, is undrafted and he's gonna he's gonna end up gaining a shit ton of value with this big draft like uh or with this big contract he's gonna get um and like he's five years into his career he never gained a ton of value but he's been you know a solid producer and a solid value piece for a long time and he's a later wide receiver These running backs like people aren't going out and actively trying to get Damian Pierce, even though he's a sec- now going to be in a second-year player and had a very good season. Same thing with Algier. Um, like, basically both 2,000-yard rushers, but nobody's banging down the door to come get them. Um, whereas wide receivers, people just, the thought is they're going to play for longer and be starters for longer, and that value holds. And, like, of course, the value does hold with those top running backs, and, and that's where, you know, you can get a little bit, nitpicky with you know A.J. Brown versus Brees Hall like I think I'd like A.J. Brown better but it doesn't it's not really that big of a deal because both of them should be producing close to 20 points a week like if you have to only start two running backs versus three wide receivers maybe you give you that some consideration but those top running backs of course they hold value very well like Saquon Barkley they hold like he has he had some down years after his fantastic rookie year and he held like a top five RB position for years and he deserved it. But Ramondre Stevenson, he, I don't even know what, what running back he was, but he was, you know, he had a great season. People aren't really banging down the door to come and get Ramondre. People aren't giving first for Ramondre. Really. It's the value that you find seems to hold in my opinion, better with early round running backs and any wide receivers versus late round running backs.
1: Ramondre was like a, in our mock startup, I think he went in the fourth round. Um, Jared, question uh,
0: about late round receivers. Are you saying like late round receivers that hit versus late round running backs that hit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the staying power of receivers is impressive. Could we uh, actually press on that you can miss on all a
1: little bit? Like, re- Receivers have been, they haven't been lasting that long. Like, I, I, I do expect the guys that are like 20, 21, 22 to last like well into their 30s, but like Julio is washed. He's what thirty three. AJ Green is washed. He's what. What running 34? back
2: is thirty three that ha, that that isn't washed? What running back has came close to thirty three that isn't washed?
1: Well, that, I mean, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. I'm saying like, okay, like okay, maybe Julio held his value for like, ten years. Two. Ten
2: huh? years, Julio, Ten years, like Julio was like a top twelve valued receiver. That's you won't see anybody like that at the running back position besides like Christian McCaffrey. And you had A.J., I mean, uh, Antonio Brown, who held his, his capital that long for 10 years, uh, D.Hop. Um, I, I mean, there there are a lot more examples, I feel like, of, of wide receivers holding but, value for 10 plus years.
0: Than I, I think what he's saying, though, like that is one. that like wide receivers used to produce more older. And now that they're kind of like produced that peak of wide receivers has gone down a little bit, not relative to running backs, but relative to receivers of the past. But we're talking about relative to running backs. I don't know, I was just clarifying, I think. Uh, Sorry,
2: I, I mean, to
1: say? <laughs> yeah, like I'm 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 just still thinking of like the golden age of running backs of like the late nineties, early two thousands. Why? Maybe that's 20, 30 years ago. It's, it's, it's not relevant. anymore. Back. You He's just said
2: back. teams run run way less than they ever have. Uh, this I mean, year is true. different. It's but uh, I, I why do are I, you thinking I, about 30 years ago?
1: Well, um because like okay, it was like t- 15, 20 years ago, but um because it's still like historical data. Like it's it's like maybe it's not as relevant, but it's like it's guys, I, I still think guys like can hold up for a long time in the league like these running backs that are coming in in 2023 like some of these dudes are like 225 230 they run like four 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 fives and we haven't seen that in the league in, in the last 20 years and there's so many of those dudes coming into the nfl these next coming seasons so i think it's it's difficult to over generalize to just it's like recency bias where like the past 10 years we've seen all these receivers just like It's been the golden age of wide receivers. But before that, receivers weren't having that prolific of an era. Yes, the NFL is moving towards a more pass-heavy sort of system. But running backs are also catching passes way more than they have ever in the past. So running backs are able to become more or stay relevant in the passing game because they catch passes. And that's kind of what's happening with the guys that are coming into the NFL in 2023 with like Jameer Gibbs, Devon A. Shane, um, Sean Tucker. Um Bijan Robinson, like those guys like catch passes very, very well. Um, so I I wouldn't discount like completely say that the running backs are completely irrelevant. And like or, you're not saying that, but like you're kind of going with the notion that receivers are like it's gonna remain the golden age of receivers, and like we're gonna continue to see this uh amazing thing with receivers where they continue and play like 10 to 15 years. That can happen with running backs too. Like these guys are all just, yes, running backs are underappreciated. They don't, the running backs take like
2: way more of a beating than wide receivers. LT, LT even had 10, he had 10 good seasons. That's your example of a long career 10. Like,
1: how long did Peterson play? Uh,
2: let's see. And, and sorry, LT had 12 seasons, but I mean, there were 10 good ones. His last two were not good. Um, Adrian Peterson. Uh, let's see his career. He was in
1: the league for 14 years, yeah. But how many good years? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, let's say like 10. So, again, the best running backs of all time
2: 10 is really your max. You have okay, 10 good so. Years. What
1: who, who is your example? Julio,
2: Julio, D or pull. seats.
1: Julio One, had. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight good years um DeAndre Hopkins DeAndre Hopkins had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, eight D
2: I mean uh Julio had three, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean he had he had ten years in Atlanta. His value didn't go down because of the one year he got hurt. Like that the reason I, mean, I cut we LT the Donald reason Trump I cut Trump the Trump reason Trump. I cut LT's off is is because his it was his two last years in his NFL career. He was old and didn't play like and didn't have the stats. Like that's he you know, he lost his dynasty value at that point, unless people are dumb. Julio in twenty thirteen having five games played. He didn't lose his value. He had 1600 yards the next year. Are we uh, talking?
1: Ga- like, so we're talking production or value, not production. Yeah. I mean, AP is going to hold his value. He probably hold, held his value like, well, and like until like you at 32 years old, he's probably still holding his value. I don't really think so. How, Adrian was Peterson predicting? was,
2: was not uh, a high round draft pick. in when he like left the, uh, the
1: Vikings. Uh, at okay at 30 at 30 he had 1500 rushing yards 11 touchdowns the next year he got hurt i bet he was still being drafted pretty high in 2016 he's probably still a first-round pick coming off a 1500 11 touchdown season
2: okay yeah so at 31 he probably was and then his value then fell off so it was one two three
1: four five six seven eight nine years of so and like deandre hopkins like deandre hopkins has been a beast he's 30 we'll be 31 next year where's he going in startups I
2: mean, he he. I traded him for a first. I mean, yeah, like but he's that was, that was in the him.
1: season. Like, it's it's a completely different scenario. Like that, that dude was was buying for uh for need during the season. So like in a startup, I feel like that'd be a better like, gauge of value. Third, and I don't know. There's like probably thirty receivers I would take before D Hop. Some a couple of things that I
0: want to add to this conversation are first, I think we need to just recognize running back by committee is taken over the NFL,
1: but also the, special running backs, for but while. also
0: just the, the changing in perception of like, second running back contracts and how they hurt a team. Uh, I think that also impacts running back longevity because a guy like Ezekiel Elliott shouldn't have as big as a role he had that he has right now, but he has to because of that contract. So people like that, I think, I, I think just you, circumstances like that, I mean, back in like 2005, Saquon Barkley would be like making money hand over fist. And now it's like the Giants are like, do we want to pay him what, what he's asking for? So I think the perceptions towards running back second contracts has changed uh, that you don't have to pay the guy so much to do the job because you can just get a guy in the sixth round, hypothetically, if they could do the same thing, maybe not quite as well, but for the value of your money, the same thing.
1: Did you see I what Saquon said important. in the interview?
0: uh, he said he wanted like, yes, for like 12 or 14 or something
1: like that. He uh, wanted I don't think he McCaffrey, no,
0: he... you want to make half free money. That's what he said. I think.
1: No. What you do you sure? think
0: he said, Josh, just say it. What do you, what did you see?
1: Um, so a reporter asked him what he, like, is if he's going to ask for like a lot of money in a second contract. And he said, no, like I'm realistic. I know that I have been dealing with injuries for the past two years. Um, I haven't been living up to my potential and i'm not expecting to reset the market or anything i'm just uh well yeah
0: i mean me, meeting McCaffrey's is not resetting the market it's not resetting the market it's like uh, if, you're, if you're getting
1: McCaffrey water. money after the injuries that he's had uh it's McCaffrey had the same injury
0: uh or did you No, with similar injuries but but i just wanted to bring that if one the didn't play for like three
1: years uh, healthy for three years
0: and i wanted to bring that into the conversation and i wanted to Give light pushback on the idea that the NFL is increasingly a passing league. Um, I'm this is a perspective that I heard credit to whoever said it, I saw it like months ago, I don't remember who it was, but it was interesting to me. And it was the idea that as the NFL is right now continuing to increase in passing, do we then start to see a decrease because defenses are going to be so ready for the passing game, they're going to be so ready for it, they're going to be playing like cover three, whatever that it leaves the box more open for running and therefore we see an increase in running and just going to add back and forth so that's what
2: we saw this year I mean there were I think there were
0: 16,000 yard
2: rushers this year versus five last year teams played Mm -hmm. a lot of two high safeties this year and I still don't think that really rocketed any any real running back value like up compared to other positions we had we had a great running back year this year and people still don't love josh jacobs because he doesn't have a contract um like there were like i said i think there were sixteen thousand yard rushers this year versus five last year and even My- miles sanders had no touchdowns last year and this year he had like 10 he had like 1300 yards and his value didn't skyrocket there's just there just seems to be perception issues or something within the dynasty community. Whereas the older running backs just really don't retain value. Whereas you can get a 27 year old wide receiver that has retained most of his value from being a rookie. Is that something to take advantage of though? Maybe it is, but that's what I'm it saying is. with rookies is your value holds when you take those wide receivers but and are you, you can for... then trade them at, or, or, you know, you have them for four years in great production and then you trade them. Like, whereas Damien Pierce, you have him for four years, great production. You can't trade him because he's too old and he's a dead running back. Nobody cares because he was a fourth round four years ago. But Amon Ra
0: St. Brown four years from now is going to hold his value. Like, I think the likelihood on hitting on a Damien Pierce versus an Amon Ra is higher for Damien Pierce. And so then with those later rookie picks, I'd much rather, you know, if I'm taking that, if I'm much, I, I'd much rather take the higher probability of success for the position of scarcity in the in the running back position i mean the odds of getting an elite wide receiver for like a second or third round rookie pick is is slim i think much and i'd rather take that smaller window of production even if his value craters at the end you know i think it can also depend on where your dynasty team's at you know like if you're trying to win you might take the running back but if you're trying to like, you know, build a bit more, maybe the wide receiver, but we also just get like screwed so often on those. Like, it's just a crapshoot, really. I mean, even someone like Terry McLaurin was seen as like an anomaly. And he was like a third round wide receiver from Ohio State, you know? So it's, it's just, it's really tough with those wide receivers to evaluate. But if you hit the higher, the high is higher than the running backs because of that longevity.
1: Yeah. It's like the shooting for upside versus shooting for the safer bet. Um, so so
2: some guys last year, just to use last year as an example, since we're talking about Damian Pierce, uh, Damian Pierce was taken in the first round in one of our drafts, but he was taken in the second round in another. Uh, other guys oh. who went uh, late first or early second um, include guys like Christian Watson, George Pickens, uh, Jahan Dotson, Rashad White, um, Isaiah Spiller, Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, uh, Alec Pierce, and Jalen Tolbert. So It it seems like there were definitely some misses and definitely some hits between both of the positions. Uh, A guy like Isaiah Spiller, super highly touted for a few years while he was still in college. Uh, A lot of guys thought he would be pretty highly drafted, ended up falling to the fourth round, same as Damian Pierce, uh, and was then a second-round rookie pick. Has done absolutely nothing. Uh, Doesn't even see the field. Uh, Brian Robinson did did gain value, uh, had decent draft capital, played in uh, Alabama, um nobody wants brian robinson wandale robinson on the other hand uh i'm not sure anybody really wants wandale robinson either but he's in for most likely a big role next year he performed very well uh when he was on the field and people were scared of him he was a first round rookie pick so i can move to somebody else like alec pierce uh who was a second round pick um his value didn't skyrocket because he's on the colts uh but he also performed pretty well uh alec pierce had um 600 yards as a rookie, 40 catches, 80 targets, um, with a horrible, horrible team around him. Uh, I'd say he's probably going to hold value, if not gain it. Um, Jahan Dotson, he was a first-round pick, but he ended up going in the second round of rookie drafts uh, because people were kind of skeptical of him. Um, Jahan, you know, his value skyrocketed. Um, obviously, this is, this is you know, anecdotal Only evidence. were skeptical but... of him. They were skeptical of the... Washington, I think, yeah, yeah, definitely oh, skeptical wow. of the Washington uh landing spot for sure, but also Jahan, be- just because I think he was smaller than some of those other guys coming from Penn State, um, and didn't like you know, he had hands, but he didn't look explosive like those
0: other guys did in the first round. But you know, I, I think it's a bad process when you're uh, to if you're taking Damian Pierce or someone of his profile ahead of a first round wide receiver, that's just bad process. I think we can I all agree. agree on that. And Christian yeah. Watson, albeit a second round wide receiver, he was like, what was he, pick thirty-four, I think. Um, yeah. so like, you know, I'm not gonna split hairs between if he was pick thirty two or pick thirty four. So I think it's although there I understand that there were red flags with Christian Watson, so it's a bit closer, at least pre draft or uh, pre rookie draft evaluation. So I understand why that was closer, but again, bad process generally to take like the thirty fourth pick wide receiver over Damian Pierce. Um the other you know, way so- around.
2: I was yeah. taking Damian over the
0: 34th receiver. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think Watson over Pierce. Yeah. It's what should happen. Yes. Yes. Um, a, so can, I, can so I, I but then out. once, once we move on from like that, like grouping, I think that's when it becomes more of a, like yes. a crapshoot. If I'm taking like the, uh, would I rather have Alec Pierce or Damian or Damian, the Pierce's which Pierce would I rather have? Um, I think then you have to evaluate the position of your team. You know, are you looking to win now or not? And I, I think that, you know, a guy like Damian Pierce is a much better pick than an Alec Pierce because the odds of an Alec Pierce being someone who surpasses Damian Pierce's proposed three to four years of maximum X ex- fancy value. Um, I'd much rather try to get Damian Pierce than Alec Pierce. So, what if you go around further though?
2: And then you're looking at in the third round: Zamir White, Khalil Shakir, Keontae Ingram, Tyquan Thornton, Isaiah Pacheco, Kyron Williams, Romeo Dubs,
0: Pierre Strong. I'm always betting on the running back because all they need is an injury for relevance. I mean, we don't see wide receivers step in and be like the wide receiver, you know, like like replicates the value of the starting wide receiver that gets hurt. You know, I'm never expecting an Isaiah Pacheco or it's a. Or to like have any long-term value, nor I would expect any wide receiver to have any long-term value. What I'm looking at there is profile, and do I think they could play 65 70% of the snaps based on that profile, given the right circumstances of injuries happening? So for me, that's not what I – I look for upside.
2: And I feel like a guy like Khalil Shakir and Romeo Dubs had a ton of upside compared to, say, Keontae, Ingram, Samir White, or maybe even Isaiah Pacheco and Kyron Williams – uh, Romeo Dubs had a wide open depth chart um, and another rookie coming in and and gained value drastically. Khalil Shakir was on a great team. He looks to be a good wide receiver, in my opinion, when he gets on the field. He's had a lot of opportunity later in the year, and that team is losing a lot of pass catchers and doesn't really have anybody besides Stefan. Samir White hasn't gained anything. Keontae Ingram hasn't gained anything. Pacheco does look like a good running back, but what's his dynasty value? uh Kyron Williams is useless um Pierre Strong useless Tyson Chandler and Hassan
0: Haskins the other third round running backs absolutely useless I think the more valuable thing to me though is can I get a handful of weeks out of production uh sporadically throughout that running backs career and I will take that over these wide receivers that have like a one in 50 chance of hitting and being some sort of consistent option you know I mean think about like, like a guy this year like um uh, you know, Mac Hollins or something like that. Like someone that like maybe would get you like 7 to 11 points this year. And I even had a spot start him in some situations. You know, like he had a really lucky situation where Waller got hurt, where Renfro got hurt, and even then he was still meh. But if you took a running back in that situation, a guy who's bounced around and got just a few spot starts, I would take the spot starts of the running back. Over that, like Mac Hollins, like player that this this later round receiver is in all likelihood being, and when I'm not, and there's still the chance that that late round running back could be like some like god tier player that somehow. So like, I'd much rather take the running back. Yeah, but Mac Hollins that... is like a sixth year player and
2: like wasn't even drafted in. Rookie I'm talking draft, about like six the project- I'm talking about the projection, Josh. What
0: are you gonna say?
1: Yeah, let me jump in here real quick. So um, two things I want to add. Uh, first, I I, I kind of agree with Kai's in terms of like. Like we can talk about dynasty value like all we want, but the only thing I really care about is like guys like putting up points on my team. I don't really care like how uh what their perceived dynasty value is um like okay, like Romeo Dubs it ha- has a perceived dynasty value that's higher than maybe like Isaiah Pacheco, but their fantasy production on the field, like their actual fantasy points this season are about the same probably um and pacheco probably did it for more games because romeo dubs was hurt for a decent amount of time but we're also falling into the fallacy of like taking one draft one rookie class and like over analyzing that one class so like we can go back to like 2021 and kind of use that same lens where the third round running backs were Ramondre stevenson javion hawkins larry roundtree jamar Jefferson. fourth round running backs Jarrett patterson chris evans kylan hill benny snell oh benny snell wasn't a rookie uh Khalil Herbert, Elijah Mitchell, Puka Williams versus the third and fourth round receivers, Tutu Atwell, Josh Palmer, Anthony Schwartz, Emir Smith Marset, Cornell Powell, shy Smith, Mike Strong. Like it's trade your late picks is the lesson. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a crapshoot. It's a it's a complete crapshoot. Like you're literally betting on just a singular guy, like, okay, I hope this guy sees the field. Um, and if your guy does, then you got lucky. Um, and it, it's yeah. it's difficult because you have to find a way to evaluate these sorts of prospects um, and determine which ones are going to see the field and who's not. So it's, I, it's I, really tough. yeah. What round was points. Nico Collins drafted in? He was a second round pick. Damn, really? Yeah, I have two
0: quick points that One I wanted
1: to miss. bring up. I think his his consensus ADP was a two hundred eight.
2: No, I sorry, yeah, I meant like real draft. Sorry.
1: Oh, sorry. real draft. He oh, was a third round pick. I think he was a second round pick. Second. Maybe third.
0: I can look real quick. Uh, two quick points that I wanted to bring up here. Um, Nico was drafted in the third round. Um, two quick points I wanted to bring up here. First about Romeo Dubs. Romeo Dubs is never going to be like a guy that averages per game what like 13, 14 points per game like I don't think I don't think we see that from him um, in his career. He's a good football player you know, he's gonna be like a wide receiver like four maybe three four likelihood. Um, and that's fine. That's that's something you can do. You can get your nine points a game. I'd much rather have like a running back that even if he plays three games a year, two games a year, he's he's like a Samaj P Ryan that when Mixon's out, you steps in and he puts up 16, 17, 18 a a, a game, I would much rather have that. Um, and then leaning into this, Jared, I want to ask I want to ask you a question. I think we're we're differing here. It would you rather have like a bench of 10 like second third fourth string running backs or do i have a bench comprised of 10 third fourth fifth string wide receivers probably the wide receivers they're actually going to see the field uh in my opinion i'm talking about receivers... like like the the end of your bench guys like guys that probably won't even get a spot start to put in for
2: okay well if a guy is not getting a spot start he's not even going to get on my team uh all
0: of my wide receivers are oh, sorry guys... let me sorry let me clarify guy um what's a good way to phrase this um, guys that you're not regularly starting guys that yeah, you're not yeah, like playing. Yeah, I'd much rather start. have a
2: wide receiver because I have guys like Josh Reynolds and, um, and Nick Westbrook Akine. Those are guys you would never think that you'd ever start. Those guys regularly put up 20 point weeks each year, not often, but they do. And, so yeah, I'd I'd prefer it's those so hard third to project that,
0: though. Yeah, yeah it's but it's so it's so hard to
2: project your, your potential running back but in situation as well. Back, that's hard. Really, then you can the, then you can yeah, start him.
0: It's the decision. Okay, about and if jo- if, if Amon
2: Ra gets hurt too, Josh Reynolds d- puts up 20 points a week. It just happens. I've seen it happen multiple times. Would you, that's you rather start
0: Josh Reynolds or Samaj P. Ryan
2: considering Amon Ra and Joe Mixon are hurt? On on a on a on a weekly basis, if I had to start one all sixteen weeks, I start Josh Reynolds hundred percent of the time over P. Ryan.
0: I would not do that. Yeah, That's I
2: wouldn't I'm I mean Josh Reynolds, he puts up points each week. You're you're getting it's, so many zeros out of P Ryan, no, so, so many P. zeros P. Ryan, out
1: of the backup P. Ryan and so volume. And well, like, you're where, out, like there you're there have been start. games when there have been games when like Amon Ra's hurt. Josh Reynolds would put it like two points. Like, and that's, that, that's, that's tough. Like you, you expect him to see an uptick in targets and production, but he doesn't. Um, whereas Samaj P. Ryan, if Joe Mixon's hurt, he's getting 15 carries guaranteed, maybe only puts up four or five points, but he's getting the looks and it's very easy for him to just fall into the end zone. Cause given he's weighs like 250 pounds. Um, but it, it's the, it's a fantasy football is a volume game. So if, if, you have a running back who's guaranteed 15 touches. You're going to play the running back guaranteed 15 touches versus a guy who might get five targets, five, and his targets might go from four to like seven. Um, So it's, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, Josh and Reynolds
2: had four games over 15 points, and so did – and P. Ryan had three. Like, they, they're pretty them.
1: similar. What about I mean, the news yeah. that Amon Ra were hurt? Here, 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 So, okay, let's let's look at Amon just, Ra. Amon my Ra. point is
0: just that it's tough to predict when those games are going to happen. For Like, yeah, it was okay. very easy for P. Ryan. I started him each one of those weeks. Uh, to start Josh Reynolds with confidence with Amon Ra out, I mean, maybe there's a more direct correlation there from slot receiver to slot receiver. I'd sure. rather have
2: injury risk potential to like start this guy like if my team gets hurt i want to have a guy that i can put in i don't want to wait for some random dude to get hurt and then i get to start my player i want to have if i if my players who i'm starting each week are now no longer being able to be started i want to have a backup i don't want to have a guy who then might eventually start when i don't need him anymore
0: Three weeks from now, when the starter gets hurt, I'm not I, talking about the first, second, third guy off your bench, like your immediate backups. I'm talking about like the fourth, fifth, yeah. Six, if seven if guys. four, five, six people on my team get hurt, I want a guy who I can start. Well, I think I, your and, team's and, kind of fucked then if that happens. I mean, well, yeah.
2: they're and, by they're by Josh, weeks Rennel as well. Just, I mean, yeah, and and so if they're if if my team right. is fucked too, like, then why do I want cause... P Ryan? Why do I want 80 points from P Ryan in over three weeks if my team is fucked? Why do I want P Ryan?
0: Because then you're able to sustain until your team gets healthy. But but I you just them, said my
2: team is fucked if I have five, six, seven players not start hurt. My team is fucked either way. Like then then why why would I ever need
0: Piran? Because I don't think you need to get to the fifth, sixth, seventh guy to start Samaje Piran if Joe Mixon's out. I'm starting Samaje Piran if Joe Mixon's
1: out. If my team's perfectly healthy.
2: But maybe then your team isn't good enough. Then I you yeah, should have starters I, who are better yeah, than a backup. Cause...
1: I actually agree with Perlman. Um, I'm, I'm changing my stance because um, – so Amon Ra missed one game this season. It was week I'm five not, against I'm the I'm not Detroit. sure we should hyper-focus on, like, the Josh Reynolds well, versus, like I, – I agree, but, things. like, I, I mean, just in terms of, like, the process. Like, as I was talking through it, like, I started to question my own take because, um, like, someone getting seven targets, like, that's that's pretty good. Um, so, like, because targets – we know targets are way more valuable than carries. Um, so like Josh Reynolds or Amon Ross St. Brown didn't play, and we we knew that he wasn't gonna play in one game this season. That was week five against the Patriots when the Patriots beat the Lions 29 to zero. Top receiver for the Lions, Josh Reynolds, six catches for ninety two yards, fifteen fantasy points. Um so like that's, no one would have started him this week that week because no one would have known it would have happened.
2: Well, that's that's but,
1: on you though, because I started Isaiah
2: Hodgins against. I started Isaiah Hodgins in the in the playoffs against the Vikings because I knew that he was going to have success. a good game. It, it really wasn't. It was out for like one week of success, and and are and like these these players are just guys. You have to have faith in starting. Samaj P. Ryan is still a backup. You don't just start a backup just because he's going in. You still have to have faith in that player. Like if, if your team isn't good enough to sustain a, if you don't, if your whole team is starting and you need to plug in a backup running back your team isn't good enough anyway so i, I don't understand the the concern over josh reynolds when that's the only time i would start him if, if people are hurt or if yeah like his starter is hurt as well like but I, I can start josh reynolds each week and expect him to see targets i can't start samaj p ryan each week and expect him to see more than four or five carries which are not worth that much Josh Reynolds sees the field. He's the third wide receiver. He sees the field
0: constantly. I'm just saying that if you... You you just said you wanted
2: a running back who sees the field all the time. If your wide receiver is a third-string wide receiver, he still sees the field all the time.
0: He's going to get points. I'm not interested in starting third-string or fourth-string wide receivers on my team. I'm not interested in starting backup running backs on my team. I'm not talking about starting them. I'm only talking about starting them in a situation where the starter goes down. I'm I'd talking still rather about roster, the guys. roster that guy, too.
2: I mean, what's the point of rostering someone if you're never going to start them and you don't want
0: to trade them away? Well, the thing is, is that when they do start, let's say you have like six of these handcuffed running backs like Pete Ryan. You have six of them. And one of the running backs that they're the back of the handcuff to gets hurt. All of a sudden, you're walking into a minimal running back, too. But the translation between... Wide receiver injuries to the wide receiver handcuffs is much less projectable. We know running back is largely volume based. Wide receivers command targets. A wide receiver is not just going to walk into an offense and all of a sudden see more target. I mean, think about like the Chiefs situation. Why hasn't me Cole Hardman done anything? But I don't want to. I don't want to get bogged into like one specific or thing. But yeah, I don't want to do that. But I'm just saying, from a process perspective, if I'm talking my fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guy down the bench, you know, I really hope I don't have to start those people to the where because my first, second, third guy all got hurt alongside some starters. What I'm hoping for is that out of those guys, the likelihood of getting someone who has like a running back two ish performance when the starter gets hurt is and putting up what's that like 13, 14 fantasy points that's much higher likelihood and much easier to project than a wide receiver like Josh Reynolds. I'm just using him as an example. He did have success. But it's much easier to project some Ange Pirines, the Alexander Madisons, those types of direct backup running backs. I'm not saying the Gary Brightwells or the Matt Breitas. I'm talking about the direct backups like Pirine. It's much easier to project their outcome than it is a wide receivers broadly. So when we're talking about way down on my bench, I have the potential for a guy that I can easily project to be running back two numbers. If a specific situation happens, those guys are all dart throws. Anyways, I would much rather go for that higher ceiling than project for a situation when those four guys on my bench get hurt and I might need Josh Reynolds, seven points per game. If that happens to me, and I, for some reason I'm still contending and, and I have none of these running backs that filled in, I'll just trade my second round pick away for like Alan Lazard.
2: Yeah, that does, doesn't, for me, I I don't feel that way. I mean, I feel like I I would prefer to have the starting value on my team rather than just wait around for an injury. I, I want guys that I can plug in and play time, if i think they have a good matchup and if a guy is a backup and we're waiting for his running back to get hurt. You can't ever plug that guy in and play. If I need six spots on the end of my bench for for running backs to just possibly maybe their starter gets hurt, that's six spots that I don't have of any player who's actually seeing the field. So if I have six Josh Reynolds, I have six guys who have the potential to get twenty points any week. I have six guys who probably put up four points each week, but I don't have six guys who put up zero points each week and I'm hoping for an injury. So that is why I prefer those late those later wide receivers is lower those guys down the depth chart is they're going to see the field and i don't want to wait around for an injury and i don't want to clog up my roster with six spots all waiting for an injury when i can have six
0: guys who are actually going to see the field so what would you so you would value just at a dynasty perspective you would value josh reynolds more than Samaje p ryan like you would trade one for if you had Samaje, you trade one for one i mean probably not those two guys um
2: I mean, I think P Ryan is is probably a little bit better. Uh, I mean, just because of the fact he actually let's does say see the profile, the,
0: the concepts, the 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 handcuff yeah, running in back in general. The like I
2: said, I would I would much rather have the wide receiver.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to say on that. I, I disagree, but I understand. Yeah, I mean, we disagree. Not much more to say, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> go fight after the pod.
1: <laughs> you guys had a very long drawn out discussion over that, and I think that like you guys are both right because you can build a case for one or the other. And I think that just goes to show like it's, I guess this is more of like a process thing. Um, but like it, the way that it actually plays out is you, you never really know. Um, Cause like there could be scenarios where uh, an Amon Ra gets hurt and you can play Josh Reynolds. But at the same time, maybe all a, six of Kai's running back starters. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, one of those I run run only,
0: only we need up, one, one of them puts to puts hit up, like
1: zero points. I um, need one of them to hit. That is possible. But, I mean, I think for your scenario to work Proman, like that receiver has to be on like a prolific offense, a prolific passing offense. Uh, I mean, I
2: anyway. think even Matt Collins,
1: like Kai said, I, I mean, Matt Collins was a serviceable I mean, player. He, I mean, he was the wide receiver too on like a team that threw the ball a pretty decent amount. I, knew, I know they ran, ran it a time Yeah, it, home, but,
2: but really he would have been the wide receiver four. I mean, if, if Renfro and Waller were – healthy i mean that guy is a wide receiver four but he puts up you know he still put up some decent numbers some weeks um so i don't know i mean i just think there's a there's a lot of those end of
0: kj osborne kj osborne had like a 40 point week he's a third wide receiver But you never know when that's gonna happen is my point you never you'll start kj osborne the next week and you'll put up two yeah but but i can start
2: But I can start KJ Osborne week 13. I think Jared's and I can't start Samaj Ryan week 13 because they're just that's just a random week and and KJ Osborne plays and Samaj Ryan doesn't. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to play either of them week to week. Well then I don't want any of them on my bench. I mean if I don't if If I'm never considering starting this guy if I'm never (laughs) ever ever considering starting this guy, I'm gonna go find somebody else.
0: Okay. Josh, who wins the debate? Yeah. Um,
1: neither of you, because you should just stack your uh, your bench with backup quarterbacks and defenses. There you go. Just we're um, IDB here.
2: Now, if we're talking backup QBs, I'll take a backup QB. All
1: right, Jared, I'm gonna do some <laughs>
0: trades with you then, because I have a couple middling receivers that I want. to I'll go away. find yeah, Zamir White and give you give you to him for a fourth or for, for, for first. <laughs> I'm sure you'd love that. Oh, I already traded Zamir White. I got I got I traded Zamir for Samaje. I got Samaje and I got three wow. RB one reeks out of him. How about that? Crazy, you and I was Mixon, able to project so it, You too. also
2: have Mixon. If I had my running back, I'd want the backup,
0: yeah. And if I didn't have Mixon, I'd want P. Ryan too because we love direct correlation. What you and have was, Mixon and P. Ryan, yeah, that you know makes I'm sense. When the starter goes out,
2: yeah, that makes sense. But you're right,
0: points when Mixon went out that were easily projected because or that his numbers were uh gonna go up, his volume was gonna go up because Mixon was out, he had 30 points, 19.3. 21.5
2: yeah but that's like yeah i mean if you don't have mixing what's the point of of keeping that guy on your team
0: because that can those three weeks can win you three weeks and then all josh, of a sudden we just the, talked wow.
2: about josh reynolds he had 15 points the one week i Am- so we don't Ra was know
0: out. when it's gonna happen
2: we just said Amon Ra was out pay attention what do you mean we don't know when it's gonna happen he just said when amanra was out he scored 15
0: in one week yep the week I- he was
2: out what yeah, would I mean, we want? If 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 Mixon was only so out to, one to, to week and, and and P Ryan had forty points, he'd still use that as an example. I
0: it's bet if we were week. to map out like wide receiver handcuffs to running back handcuffs, the correlation in predictive points for running back handcuffs would be much, much, much higher. I bet okay, if we mapped out the fine. amount of
2: wide receivers, wide receiver three score over the course of the season versus backup running backs, the wide receivers would win every single time.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And that's what I'm- I, I, you're not winning a game. You're not winning a league with backup receivers that are averaging seven points a game.
2: Curtis Samuel was a, a afterthought, third third wide receiver. He was like wide receiver like ten for the first half of the year, and then he wasn't. Yeah, and neither was P Ryan. And
0: you don't know when that's going to
2: happen. <laughs> and P Ryan doesn't have any more value. But than you Curtis know Samuel. when it's going to happen. You did know when it was going to happen because the reason
0: why Devonte Adams is so good is because you know week to week Devonte Adams is going to put up a lot of points. If Devonte Adams put up forty points one week, zero the next, forty points the next week, zero the next, oh, you shit, would, wait, his like his value the would be like he didn't playoffs this lower. year
2: because I don't think yeah. his value got lower because of that. Well, let's talk. Let's
0: let's just yeah, uh, interesting. You yeah, me. let's 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 talk trends. But Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: So how how about for the beginning of of next week's podcast, uh, you both bring me data on. Uh, why backup receivers are better or backup running backs are better, and we can decide yeah. we can have a verdict for next podcast for for yeah. the listeners. I'm down. I'm confident. So I,
2: what what string do I have to start with? Fourth string, third string. You, you decide.
0: Uh, snap percentage, just context. B- build a compelling page. Context. All backup right, no. receiver. I'll just do whenever the starter's out and whenever there's a direct backup.
1: Yeah, we we, we can we can build it off that when when the starter is out. All right, and
2: I'll do the the number of weeks that uh, shit um, that uh, they don't play. I'll, I'll come in with the number of weeks that up. I'll actually don't
0: play. be very curious okay. to find this out because if there is like a, if you are able to predict which what wi- which wide receiver is able to do well when the starters out, I, I would be, I, I never thought you could do that. So if that's something that correlates, I'll be like I'll be happy to learn about that. So.
1: I'm I'm sure that the entire fantasy community is dying to hear uh, what the ending verdict is gonna be from this discussion because I'm sure a lot of people have this conversation. So um, I'm I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. Well now I'm motivated to beat guys even more. So we, I will we, come we with go from that, that <laughs> all time. I mean, I, I,
0: I know I've already won, so I probably don't have as much motivation as I should. So. yeah, true. No you one, you uh, providing one stat over and no over one, again. you the, really the, won that. The, 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 no one's ever clamoring at the waiver wire to get the handcuff wide receiver. So, no one's spending who's, fifty-one dollars
1: on Josh Reynolds. When Debatable. Down last year. When who went down? McCaffrey. It was Chuba. Chuba with the last year, of, uh,
0: with a mix of uh, yeah, Nick Nick, know, Nick westbrook,
2: westbrook akine went for forty-four Fab dollars this year. Forty-four Fab dollars this year. Nick westbrook akine yeah, I, I dropped that dumb. shit. Dumb.
0: You no, know, it's dumb.
2: Forty-four. You just, you just, you just said that it wasn't happening, and it did. So I don't know what more you want from me. No, I can't control
1: dumb people. Well, it was oh, Josh, sh- so I don't, yeah, I don't know what you want guys. from me. I'm out <laughs> of the side with Promet on this one, then. Yep. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> All right,
0: uh, I think that'll do it. Yeah, I think right? that'll wrap us up today. Well, thanks everyone for listening. A bit of a long one. Uh, we haven't had a good debate like that in a while, so yeah. uh, it was a pleasure sparring back and forth with you, Jared. Um yeah, um, we'll get into the personal in- attacks and insults later. Next week, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. Appreciate it.